All right, Joel, you took us to the 90s. I'm going to pull us back to the 80s. My beloved 80s? Yes, to a simpler time. Ooh. A simpler time with simpler shows that just help us kind of grow up. Growing things? <laughs> I've been waiting for this, yeah. Know about the facts of oh life. Facts of life. When the world never seems to be living. So, I don't remember a lot about this show. Like, did you watch it a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's Blair. There's I'm, Joe. Michael J. Fox's sister. No, no, Jason oh. Bateman's sister. Jason Bateman. Justine Bateman is in it. No, right? no, Justine Bateman was in Family Ties. What am I? Oh, are you sh- Look, these are the girls that are in Family Ties. So that's Kim Fields, oh. who is Tootsie or Tootie. You know, or, that was Michael J. Fox's girlfriend in the top right. Oh. Right? I don't. I think so. I don't think so. No? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong. But anyway, this is a great theme song, right? Well, it's got the title in it. Not many do, actually. You know, like it was. It was um, that that song was written for that show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a great. It's a it's a bygone era. We were just talking about how shows these days really don't have theme songs. The Office had a theme song. It's a great one, actually. No words though. No words. But yeah, and that's where they're going, right? Yeah, like shows don't have. But once you hear it, words anymore. You know, you know what it is. You know what it is exactly. Yeah, Game of Thrones didn't have any words, but it's a classic. Well, you think about that. Song. There's a lot that are like that. Seinfeld, uh, NYPD Blue, right? Remember that with all the percussion? Yeah, I had one I was considering for for um, my next time that also doesn't have words. Law and Order. Dang it! Yeah. <laughs> Wait for it. Nice slap bass. Yeah. A little slap bass for you. Well done. It's the best part of that whole theme song. (laughs) And it's a long one, too. That's a long one. They take a while to go through that. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> I guess I'm leading this thing. <laughs> I'm staring at you like you're going to get started here. No. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. This is Joel and Rob's podcast. We are uh, on chapter 15 of We Make the Road by Walking. We are in the season of Advent. This is our second week in the season of Advent. This chapter is called Women on the Edge. <laughs> yeah. What? I, I, first time I read that, I thought of uh, Shrek when he uh, when the donkey Shrek? when the donkey uh, comes with the dragon to rescue Shrek and Fiona at the castle at the very end. Yeah, says, "Look out! I'm a donkey on the edge." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, um, did uh, Eddie Murphy play the play the donkey? Yeah, he was yeah. the donkey. Yeah. 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 All right. Women on the Edge, uh, where we look at the first chapter, or most of the first chapter of Luke, um, which tells uh, basically two stories. Um, The first is the announcement um, of the angel Gabriel to Zechariah, that he he and his wife will um, 
she will soon bear a child, and they have not been able to have a child. Um, and so this, and Brian notes this, this story brings us right back to the story of um, Abraham and Sarah. Uh, Sarah. Yep. Um, and then the, the, the story takes a somewhat unique... Um, well, it, it has a, a, a unique direction it takes in it, where Zechariah is in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, and Gabriel appears to him there, um, and um, like Abraham and Sarah, kind of doubts that this could possibly happen. And so he, his voice is taken away from him, um, and he can't speak. Not until the baby's born. Not until the baby is born, yes. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> And then... Um, and how happy do you think that made his wife? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and he becomes... Um, their son will become John the Baptist. Yep. Um, so anything from that story um, that uh, jumped out to you or has jumped out to you? Um, the Honestly, the thing that jumps out to me uh, in all of those stories, not Mary's, but in Sarah and Elizabeth... Um, and barren women having children is the pain yeah. um, that um, many live with mm-hmm. of wanting to have had children yeah. and simply not being able to or, or or not ever reaching a point in life where they could, mm-hmm. whether it's physically or circumstance or, or yeah. whatever. And the real pain that, that exists for those, I, I've had parishioners, and, and I'm grateful for it, um, uh, female parishioners come and uh, just let me know, like when Mother's Day is approaching. Yeah, you know, Rob, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be in. I'm not going to be in worship yep. uh, in two weeks. It's just too hard. Mm-hmm. And so that pain is is very real. And Brian does a good job of naming that pain. Yeah. But I also think I know men want the, many men want to have children and can't uh, as well. Yeah. And it's painful for men too. I don't mean to belittle that, but I think there's something. Particularly, um, particularly painful for women who desire to, um, and, uh, just noting that. And, um, so every time I come to those stories, I, I, you know, that's honestly the first thing that comes to my mind. Yep. Um, and honestly how grateful I am that my wife and I were able to have children. It wasn't necessarily easy mm-hmm. for us to have children, but we were able to. Mm-hmm. Very grateful for that. Yep. Well said. Thanks for sharing that. Um, sure. When I was rereading it, uh, one line jumped out to me when the angel says to Zechariah about his future son, who will be John the Baptist. He said, he will be a joy and delight to you. Mm. And I kind of wondered, hmm, that's not the John the Baptist that I envisioned. You don't really picture John as a delight to anybody. You do you? don't. Yeah. He, um, I think he must have been, he was a radical to the he extreme. He was a wild and weird dude. Yep. I mean, even among the prophets of his day. Yep. He, he wore a thing made of camel's hair. Yep. Uh, he ate bugs and he honey. Ate locusts. Yep. yep. Yeah. Ate bugs and honey. Yep. Um, and he was in the wilderness, which, uh, I mean, we don't know exactly where he was. He was on the banks of the Jordan, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think that notes that he did not live amid community as normal. Exactly. I mean, he was the periphery. He was wild and weird and kept at arm's length. And had some issues, obviously, as his message said, but with 
organized religion was was way out on the outskirts yeah. of um, of religion and and how people understood God yeah. and was so significant honestly for his time that um, he's the one who paved the way for Jesus yeah I mean all four gospels it's rare that all four gospels agree when it when all four gospels agree on something oh Mark doesn't talk does Mark yeah Mark does talk about John the Baptist sure he does yeah yeah. Um, so when all four Gospels agree on something, yep. I mean, hey, that's hugely significant. And it, uh, you're right. It only happens a couple times. Yeah. And John has a different take. He doesn't do some of the same stories that Matthew, Mark, and Luke no, do. No, but he but existed and he prepared he the way. He gives him a nod. He definitely does. Yeah. Yep. And, um, yep. uh, and he pissed the government off enough that uh, they killed him. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So the story shifts then from um, Gabriel coming to uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth to now coming to Mary. Um, And um, the story of uh, Gabriel coming to what scholars believe to be was a teenager, Mm -hmm. um, possibly 13. Most likely a young teenager. Yep. I think a lot of folks don't realize that. Mm -hmm. This is... This is an and uncomfortable even, story if we really embrace it for what it says. Yeah, and not even sixteen. We're not talking kind no. of licensed and is out driving. No, this is this is middle school age. Yeah, uh, and a different time period, obviously, but still thirteen. Um, and you are going to bear the Son of God, and Mary just accepts it with open arms in many ways, which is makes the story even more astonishing. Mm-hmm. Um, pushes back a little bit, but then says, yes, if that's what I am here to do, then I am honored. Yeah, and it's just as preposterous as the story Gabriel tells Zachariah, right? Mm-hmm. While Zachariah is the priest, yeah, um, has been a man of faith his whole life, young Mary is the one who actually responds with openness yes. to yes. God. Yep. Yes. And that's very intentional here um, in the gospel, it, the, the, especially the incarnation. There's, there's a very intentional um, tension between those who should have knowledge and those who we assume don't, those who have power yep. and those the world denies power, those who should see the light and those who we think would be the last to see the light. Yes. Um, and there's this very inverted dynamic going on. Yes. All, I mean, all throughout the gospel. But I mean, the, all the authors are very clear to set this up at the very beginning with the incarnation. Because yes. the very incarnation itself is, you know, the, the absolute most inverted power dynamic that we can fathom. Yes. God yeah. and all of God's almighty power. Yep. Becoming a vulnerable, completely dependent human creature. Yep. And so who are, in, in Luke's gospel, who are some of the first group of people to receive the news that Jesus has been born? Mm. Lowly, stinky shepherds. And shepherds were viewed as pretty scummy, actually, yeah. right? It, I mean, it, was not, it, was not, it was not an occupation... Uh, to aspire to, they at the were time. they were step above slaves. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and that's who the angel, the multitude, comes and 
shares that yeah. good news too. Yep. You have wise men and shepherds. You yep. have you have royalty and you have the most humble yeah. and poor of people. Yeah, and we'll get to wise men, I think, coming up next chapter. But wise men, <laughs> that's one of the parts I love about this story too, is these non-Jewish astrologers. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's kind they, of freaky. They are that small group that travels vast distances to come and offer gifts to the baby Jesus. This Jewish king. This group of astrologers, you know? Hey, um, point point for astrology. Yeah. What are you? Uh, Leo? Uh, yeah, I'm a Leo too. Yeah. I'm right on the cusp, August 22nd. Okay. You know? Um, cool. That's a bit all I know about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, all right, let's jump into the, in the chapter. What jumped out to you, Rob, in this chapter? Well, for me, it was definitely, well, the whole the whole question of virgin birth, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big one. And he goes there. And I, yeah. He goes, he, he goes to these very kind of, he doesn't quickly gloss over it, but he says, hmm, people will be wondering about that. Yep. And uh, for, uh, this isn't hugely important to know, but this is a little window into the church of what, a hundred years ago? Um, the... Old school, new school debate, um, or was it the um, fundamentalist debate? Anyway, one of the one of the older debates of the church kind of revolved around virgin birth and whether or not you can be Christian um, and believe that you know Jesus is the Son of God, but Mary wasn't necessarily a virgin, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Um, and uh, you know, in the Apostles' Creed, we say um, we believe that. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Yep. Uh, it's a creed that most Christian churches, including both Protestant and Catholic, yep. Orthodox, will yep. say. Right. Um, and yet, scientifically, it just doesn't pass the smell test. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, do you believe in the virgin birth? But a bigger question is, do you have to believe mm-hmm. in the virgin birth? Yep. Is that is that part uh is that a like a prerequisite to Christianity? You have mm-hmm. to believe in Jesus as the Son of God, but you also need to believe Mary was a virgin. For some people it is. It a is a prerequisite. Yes. And mm-hmm. and that makes me very uncomfortable mm-hmm. yep. when we pick and choose um aspects of the gospel that we must rigidly in a binary kind of way, say true or false, yes or no. Mm-hmm. Like when Jesus says, um, go give everything, go sell everything you've got and give the money to the poor. That's usually not included in that it, debate. It, it is almost never included in this binary yes or no. No, no, no. There's no gray here. It's no gray. You yeah. either you either believe what the gospel says or you don't. We do, quote, do what the Bible says yeah. or we do not. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, it, it always makes me so uncomfortable when, when folks try and treat any portion of Scripture as if it truly is binary, meaning yeah. as if there's only... Uh, you can only answer in one of possibly two ways, yes or no, true or false. Yes. And so I loved, I loved when he got to the, to the point of like, 
you know, is it is it real or is it not? Is it possible or what's impossible? And this is this we've talked about this before, but this is one of these threads that he's pulling throughout this entire book so far, where he he gives us the opportunity to not to not have this two options to answer a question like that. And he says one one is this did not happen. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. Or no, sorry. One is yes, it happened. Mm-hmm. Two is it did not happen, which means I have to just drop this book of scripture. Yeah, I and, have to put it down now. And just run away. Because if I'm forced to look at it through those two lens, and he is consistently in this book inviting us mm-hmm. into a third option. Yeah. Third option. And he lays it out so beautifully in the bottom of page 68. <clears throat> what if that's the point? Mm-hmm. What if the purpose is to challenge us to blur the line between what we think is possible and what we think is impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To which I say, amen. Yeah. I mean, that sings to me. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't even... Uh, I'm not even interested in the conversations anymore about, did this happen exactly as it's written? Hmm. It just doesn't even... It used to be a fun conversation, and I enjoy that kind of back-and-forth debate. Now it's kind of like, ugh. You know, let's... I don't care anymore <laughs> to the extent of I'm not going to spend it. It's not a deal breaker for me anymore. You know, Amen. Um, like certain stories, I can very easily now read the story of Jonah mm-hmm. and see a ton of insight and theology and and truth and truth in it. And not have to hold to it happened exactly as it was written, and he was swallowed by a big fish and right. lived in the fish for a few days. Got and then, spit out. Yeah. You know, um, those debates just don't even interest me anymore because there's just so much underneath that debate waiting to be mined. And that's what Brian's getting at with that yep. point. Yep. Well, and to think that the original authors. Uh, part of it is also that my growing belief is that. This was written at a time, right? And it was written in such a way that I don't think the authors could have comprehended a world in which these stories would be viewed as black and white Mm -hmm. manuscript. Mm -hmm. I mean, for thousands of years, most of the Old Testament was simply told from one generation to the other. Yeah. Yeah. Passed down around the campfire. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um. Anything else jump out of you? I think you. No, how about you? Let me see what I loved here. Um, I think he's got a section on six on page sixty nine about um, the. Oh yeah, that was really great section too. Um, about how God is, as you talked about the, um, the what's the word I'm trying to find. Um, I can't think of it. Inverted? Yeah, in some ways. The scandal, maybe. The scandal mm-hmm. of um, of God not being born to um, a powerful ruler, but mm-hmm. to a um, teenage, unwed yeah. girl. And what that represents, he says this, but here is God gently inviting, not coercing, a young woman to produce a child who will be known not for his violence, but for his kindness. This is a different kind of leader entirely, one who doesn't rule with the masculine power of swords and spears, but with a mother's sense of justice and compassion. I never, I liked how Brian brought out God gently inviting, not coercing. Mm -hmm. 
um, invites Mary. So there's, I've heard this, I've heard this sermon. I've heard about someone preaching a sermon where Mary's actually number 14 Mm. on the list that Gabriel's gone to. Mm. God is not going to force God's self on anyone. On anyone. Um, That's not God's way. No. But Mary was the one that finally finally said, said yes. Yes. Yeah. And how important it is to say yes. Yeah. But I also love the dynamic of what, you know, the same point. He keep going just one more sentence for what you read. Uh, God aligned in, in being born of a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And not a royal king or a military leader, right? But in choosing a vulnerable, it's really not even a woman. Mary, Mary's a girl. Mm-hmm. Let's own it. Yeah. Right? And in, in choosing to be born of a of a young girl. So she's she's a, essentially an old child and she's female. Women didn't have many rights in their society. Mm-hmm. Children had none. Yeah. So uh, he is choosing the most powerless and most vulnerable way of entering into the world. Yeah. He says God aligns with the creative feminine power of womanhood rather than the violent masculine power of statehood. And he goes on later in this to really challenge the notion of power as presented by the state, right? And how... States, we do. We, we, we um, states solve their problems and, and wield their power mm-hmm. largely through violence, through through physical violence, yeah. through economic violence, um, or through the threat of either of the above. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. and yet, uh, this was this was a new way of looking at it for me. Yeah. By by, G, and, it, and he talks about how yep. Jesus maintains this kind of nurturing creative power rather than this threatening destructive power yeah. throughout the rest of the gospel. Well said. In the next sentence, I underline right after what you said, the doctrine of the virgin birth, as it turns out, isn't about bypassing sex, but about subverting violence. Yeah. And so we, in the debate you were just talking about, get so caught up with, is it factual or true and was she a virgin or not and she has to be a virgin and this and that all tied into our notion of sex being sinful by the way totally connected to that yes um and brian says it's really about god's um subversion of violence not coming through the power of the state as you just said yeah um but through the humility and the gentleness of woman. It's a very, so Brian's saying this is a very, very feminist story. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, And I would also give props to the Catholics because they have done a much better job than Protestants by and large of lifting the role that Mary plays. Yes. Throughout the rest of the gospel. Yes. That without Mary, there is no gospel without Mary's yes. Yeah, there is there is no Jesus Christ that, yes. that becomes born. And so this is this is my weekly Richard Rohr plug. Yeah, so I'm I love your Richard Rohr plug. I have to make one every time. And so he is uh, Catholic, and he's talked about uh, he's done a lot of work with with men and male male ministry, and talked about with his Catholic brothers how. Um, how sacred Mary is. When mm. Mary would come up to a male, um, 
they had no problem talking about her because she represented this, the gentleness and the humility and the loving kindness of God that is some is often missed when we have when we're seeing God only as male. Um, and so just how needed she is mm. to give us that. Um, the mother of God. Yeah. To give us to 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 name the um, the female attributes of God. Mm. Um, uh, so awesome. Check off. We, we check that off. We got to Richard Rohr. Well done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good chapter. Excellent chapter. Next week, I am looking forward to, um, we're going to dip into the story of Herod and uh, actually a very challenging story to read in Matthew. Um, McLaren titles it, Keep Herod in Christmas. Um, We want to, we want Christmas to be a little fairy tale storybook. Yep. And it is not. Yep. Um, so we will get to that next week. Until then, you can find us at TowsonPress.org and on Instagram and Facebook at Towson Press. Okay. Um, we're here at 400 West Chesapeake Avenue, 10 o'clock worship. Um, until Rob then, and he's draw. We'll see you next time. <laughs>